0: First they did it in the snow and now they've done it in the heat. The U.S. men's national team defeats Costa Rica 1-0 and is on to the quarterfinals to take on El Salvador. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivas Galarsep. What's up, man?
1: Yeah, not much. I'm, uh, I finally made it back home after our trip up to East Hartford, Connecticut. And mm-hmm. I would like to apologize to all our readers for... The one day delay in getting the midweek show up. Uh, I, I wasn't planning on staying in East Hartford after that U.S. Costa Rica game, uh, but I wound up staying up. We had a we had a ton of content uh, after that game, so we we decided to stick around. And I forgot to bring my mic. I didn't forget, but i chosen. I didn't have my microphone with me, so we weren't able to record the show. Uh, but definitely learned the lesson, and I'll I'll have I'll be packing the mic from now on wherever I go.
0: And of course, I still get called out for for not having a show. So uh, thank you, Ivys, for for stepping up right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what, right now since you decided to put it out on Twitter that it was my fault and you explained <laughs> why, next time you miss next time it's your fault, I will provide a detailed account of why it's your fault.
0: Well, I'm also very happy that you survived the insane heat wave up there. You know, I heard it was I heard it was like 95 <laughs> degrees. So I'm so glad you survived it.
1: It's a it is the humidity, man. I know that I know 97 degrees or 95 degrees doesn't impress you. But it the, it's just this the humidity man it's like you're it's like you're in a sauna it's uh it's unbelievable
0: I know, but, I, uh I, you, I, know,
1: you got you got to give credit to those US fans though they were out there in force uh you know made it out to that US game and and, and with you know, they had a ni- nice crowd up there I, I've been up the East Hartford to Rensselaer Field for a few games through the over the years there and they always do a pretty good job there uh shout outs to to AO and AO Hartford for the job they did there, uh, hosting all the festivities.
0: I know you're right. I, I, as much as I kid about the heat, I hate the humidity, and I think anyone who knows dry heat versus humid, I mean, I take one ten over ninety five and sweating like crazy. But the U.S. men's national team, like you said, Ivis. Um, first off, one, they're on eight game winning streak, the longest in history. Breck Shea redeems himself. Um, I mean, lots to take away from this game, especially with the fact that Jurgen sent out what he said before the game was his best roster. I think which left a Couple people scratching their heads, but you still had some good performance some couple guys. When you look at the game, Ivys, what's your overall take from it?
1: Well, you know, going into the game, I said it was going to be a chess match. It was going to be a, a really tightly contested game, and uh, you know, credit to Costa Rica, right? They, I mean, they they bunker like other teams bunker, uh, but they do it at, at such a higher level. I mean, they they mm-hmm. their defense is so well organized. Uh, their, their coach Jorge Luis Pinto had the game plan in there. And it really made things tough for the U.S. And, and as much as the U.S., this whole tournament is dominated with their passing, with their possession. This, this game, it, you saw, you saw the difference in class and quality between teams like Belize and Cuba and a team like Costa Rica. And a team like Costa Rica just puts so much more pressure on you. Doesn't, just doesn't let you breathe, really. And, um, credit to the U.S. They kept moving the ball around. They kept the pressure on, and in the second half, they really started to kind of wear down Costa Rica. And uh, and then they finally and they finally got the breakthrough late late in the match.
0: When you take away certain performances from this game, it's kind of a tale of two halves. I mean, you have a lot of guys that performed really well in the first half. I mean, I think you could easily say, Ivis, that Jose Torres had the best first half out of any player. Kind of struggled a little bit in the second half. But in the second half, you have guys like Landon Donovan stepping up, uh, Sean Johnson stepping up. Like I said, Breck Shea getting his first international goal was outstanding for him to make up. Uh, for his poor performance in that Cuba game, you know who, who who are your winners and losers in this game? Guys that you take away that you say you know they had a very good game.
1: Well, our man of the match, the SBI man of the match, was Sean Johnson. And I, and uh, well, I, this is one thing I will say. I find this funny. Landon Donovan, you got to give him credit, right? I mean, he stepped it up second half once again. Um, you know, delivered the great the, the key play, the key pass to set up Brexche. You know, it, it, big players step up in big moments, and he did that, right? But overall, though, I mean, he didn't necessarily have the best overall game. I mean, first half, he just wasn't involved. And, you know, part of that, obviously, credit to Costa Rica. But it just seems like there's a contingent of fans that no matter what happens, if he has a good game, he's the man of the match automatically. It's like he is the guy. And you know what? He did well. But I tell you what, Sean Johnson... You know, Costa Rica didn't do a ton in that first half, right? He he wasn't that busy, but when he was called upon, he made the saves. You know, he made three saves. He made the big save at the end. And I know some people were like, "Oh, that was off the crossbar. That wasn't even a save." No, folks, he tipped it onto the crossbar. And and if he doesn't make that play, the ball could go in the net. And you know, he makes that play, and the U.S. comes right back down and scores. And you know, you want to give Johnson credit because he 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 was he was big there because he was he was an imposing presence in the box. He dealt with he dealt with all the all the threats that came his way and and you know he looked really good you got to give him credit for that uh, other players who stepped up for me I thought the center backs did well even though listen Costa Rica played what was essentially a five four one uh, they they just wanted to congest the entire middle of the field not give the US room however they still had chances they still created some chances and I thought uh, Clarence Goodson and Michael Roscoe I thought they both were excellent uh, I thought I think uh, for me when we talk about this tournament. Mm-hmm. michael roscoe has is, is been one of the real breakout players of this tournament when you talk about for the u.s i mean here's a guy who you know he's never really established himself as like a dominant figure or someone who's really going to threaten for a regular first place role but he's been given two starts in this tournament and he's done really well in both and he's looked confident in both he's played his this this is better than he's ever played uh for the u.s and and i think the playing time that he got regularly for Puebla last year in Mexico, really, you see it. You see the difference. You see the confidence, the aggressiveness, and uh, you know, and that's why you uh, you can understand why he got the starting in such a big game. And uh, between him and Goodson, I thought they, they did really well together. Uh, Stuart Holden, that that's a big story there. I mean, he goes 90 minutes, his first 90 minutes since since 2010, and looked really good. You know the Cuba game wasn't a great game for him; wasn't uh, up to his, his his recent standard. But he comes out against Costa Rica in that pressure, and he's all over the field, and, and you know not just defensively, but offensively also keeping the ball moving. He was excellent, and and that that you know that story I don't think is getting enough play is that fact that you know not just it, it's because it, it's a landmark for him. You know, ninety minutes against a tough opponent, and he does well. I mean, that is a major step for him, and as we've been saying. You know, Klinsman sees his sees his role on the senior on the full team and and he looks like he is it's it's all going according to plan. He's coming along. He should be a regular he should be a starter for the rest of this Gold Cup. And uh you know, you gotta be if you're a US fan, you gotta be excited for what lies ahead for Stuart Holden.
0: Well when you go back to the center backs real quickly, is I saw some interesting stats and some interesting thoughts on this after the game. Orosco and Goodson I thought in the beginning you had a little kind of suspect balls, but as the game went on, they improved, and, and they both led the team in passing, which is kind of strange to have both center backs lead the team in passing, but that was also because Diskarud and Holden, you know, they're a little bit more of a attacking-minded midfielders. The U.S. going forward, will we see Holden and Discarude more in there, or, or is the U.S. system better off with a guy like Kyle Beckerman, which everyone seems to hate, but he plays the number six position so well and controls the ball so well. I don't think going forward that we want our center backs completing the most passes. Is that What do you think on that, Ivis?
1: Well, I mean, I think the part of the reason the, the, that Orozco and Goodson had the best passing stats was because of the pressure that Costa Rica put in the midfield. You know, they put, you know, they had their, first of all, they played a flat five, right? Then they had two defensive midfielders in front of that. So right away, you have a block of five, three center backs and two defensive midfielders between your midfielders and the goal. I mean it's a wall, right? I mean it's, it's there's just no way around it. Um you have no choice but to either go wide if you're a midfielder, if you're if you're a central midfielder, you have no choice but to either go wide, dribble through that wall, or pass it back to your center backs. And a lot and in so and in multiple occasions, uh on multiple occasions, US players had to go back to the center back. They had to, you know, regroup, pass it back, circulate the ball around because it was just too tough. It was just too tough to get through that. Um and you know what the US early on they they moved the ball well. Discrude was getting the ball wide really well, but Costa Rica wanted that. Costa Rica wanted the US wingers to 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 have to make plays. Uh to have to get perfect crosses in. And they just didn't get it done and and that's exactly and when I said I kept calling it the chess match. That is what Costa Rica wanted. They wanted US cuz they they're not afraid of their wingers. They're not afraid of the service that was going to come from Jose Torres. Or in this case, from Alejandro Bedoya. So they let they basically said, "All right, you're not beating us down the middle with Holden Disgrude, combining with Donovan and Wandelowski. We're not letting that happen. If you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us wide, and you're going to have to be pretty perfect with that because our center backs are athletic enough that they're going to deal with the service if you happen to get good service off. And that and it, and they played it perfectly. They played that. You know what? Even though the even though Costa Rica lost, you got to give them credit. They exercised their game plan excellently and. It was going to take a pretty special sequence to beat them. And that's exactly what happened. They beat them on the counter. Costa Rica was late getting back. The U.S. got numbers forward. Donovan and Breck Shea were a- excellent, get- like getting back, beating Costa Rica back to the other side of the field, and then pulling off the passes. Joe Corona, Donovan, and then Donovan, obviously, with that world-class pass to find Breck Shea. Uh, but Costa Rica, they played well, man. They 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 executed their strategy. They took Wando got, out.
0: Wando was marked the whole first
1: half. It was unbelievable. Well, I mean, going back to what I said. I mean, they if if when you when you have to deal with three center backs and two defensive midfielders, yeah. a block of five in that area where a, someone like Wondolowski works, where is he supposed to go? And, and and the thing is right, and it's not completely to bail him out and not put anything on him because that's where if you're a forward. You got to be able to come up with something special, you know. If you get a chance, you have to finish it. Someone like Clint Dempsey, he he is excellent at that, you know. Even if you sh- even if you don't give him give him much room, you don't give him many looks. If you give him one, he finishes it. Chris Wondolowski, he got a look. Alejandro Bedoya sent in a perfect pass to him, right in front of goal, and he skied the shot. And that's where we saw like that. That's the that's men. That's the difference between you know men and boys. On the, on the U.S. national team level, when you're talking about international level, if you want to be a true top level international striker, you have to finish that. Wandowski didn't finish that. And, you know, if he finishes that, who knows that, that, that changes things. Then it's earlier in the match, you get the goal, Costa Rica has to open up, and then, and then, and then it's a different game. But as long as the U.S. struggled to find the goal, it played right into the Costa Rica strategy. And that's why, it was a tough night for Wondolowski, and he, and it was a tough night for donovan until later on in the match when he started really you know moving all over the field to fi- to find space
0: well obviously when we look back at the whole gold cup uh, group stages for the us team i mean obviously very impressive results uh, that they've had i mean defeating guatemala 6-0 defeating belize 6-1 i'm sorry excuse me not guatemala excuse me retract that defeating belize 6-1 defeating cuba 4-1, to and now defeating Costa Rica. Who are your winners and losers uh, that you take from that, uh, from, from the group stages only?
1: Well, as I said, Michael Orozco really impressed me in the group stages. Um, just when you talk about expectations coming in, there weren't many from him. I mean, everyone looked at the roster when it came out and thought, okay, it's going to be good to yeah, well, they're probably going to start the whole thing, the whole tournament. And, uh, Orozco was an afterthought. And all he's done is come in and arguably be the most impressive center back in the tournament so far for the U.S. Uh, I say he's won. I think Joe Corona, he's had a breakout tournament. I thought he's done really well. He start, The first game, the Belize game, you know, the first half of that Belize game wasn't a great half for him. Second half, much better. And then obviously the Cuba game, I thought he was the man of the match. And then here he comes off the bench late in this Costa Rica game and makes a key, key pass to find Landon Donovan on the goal sequence. So I think his stocks has is definitely uh, I think skyrocketed on the national team. Um, I uh, when you think about makes this I mean, he's someone who he hadn't gotten a ton of minutes for the national team before, and even now. I mean, he's, some of these games. You know, before the Koschecka game, he'd come off the bench. Um, this game really was his chance to show. Okay, he can play on this level. Uh, you know, against better teams, and I thought he did well. The first half, I thought he was excellent. I thought first thirty minutes he was really good uh, in coping with their pressure, keeping the ball moving. He faded after that, though, and I think over as an overall game, it was an okay game. It wasn't a great game. It was an okay game, but I think he still showed enough. You combine that with his other games in the in the in the group stage, and I think his stock you have to say his stock went up uh, in the group stage as well. Another couple of names to, to definitely consider of people who, who I thought stood out. Uh, Clarence Goodson, you have to give him credit. He had another outstanding game against Costa Rica. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, did it in the snow in March. He was outstanding there, and now he does it here in the heat in East Hartford. And yet, I tell you, you have to think about him now when the U.S. goes down to San Jose in September. You have to ask yourself, you know, here's a guy who's had success now two games in a row against Costa Rica. Do you go with him in your starting lineup, or do you stick with your Beesler gonzalez Center back pairing, and uh, you know, obviously now with Be- uh, Matt Beasley and Omar Gonzalez joining the Gold Cup team, it looks like Klinsman is going to, you know, stick with those guys and make that his first choice uh, tandem. But uh, I think Goodson has done enough at this point now to to really, really push those guys.
0: Um, also, how would you rate the uh, the attire of Jurgen Klinsman? Would you give him a thumbs up or a thumbs down to the last couple games?
1: do no no man! I mean, I, I, it always seems like you know he wears the he just wears an outfit that someone just threw at him to wear. Uh, obviously, he's wearing apparel that's you know sponsor sponsor apparel. Uh, you know the U.S. the U.S. team is sponsored by Nike, so you know they throw him Nike pants, Nike shirt, Nike Nike shoes, and he just wears. It. And you know sometimes the stuff that looks a little weird. I gotta say. Um, like this past but,
0: games, the the polo he looked like he was participating in like a rugby game or something like that. Yeah,
1: that 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 yeah, that polo color combination was a little a little awkward. But uh, you know what? He can wear what he wants because right now everything <laughs> yeah. he does, everything he does turns to gold. The U.S. team is won eight in a row. I mean, it's I don't know how many times now he's done something, he's made a move, and people have gone like, what is he thinking? And then a minute later, yes, oh my word, oh, it worked. And so I mean, it's like my analogy for Jurgen Klinsmann right now is. He's the hot hand in the blackjack table where everything he's doing is working even if it seems weird. He's hitting on 20. He's, you know, it's it's just he's splitting deuces and it's hitting. He's just making it all work. And you got to give him credit, right? I mean, he the yes. first couple the first year and a half on the job didn't go so great and obviously the stuff in March with the team and there being turmoil and he's made it all work. He's turned it all around. Players are buying into it and the team's playing great and even the, now in the Gold Cup with a with a B team yeah, uh, he's, he's managed to to keep it going.
0: Well, I mean, if he gets cold, I guess, do we all just get up and leave the table and find a new table?
1: <laughs> uh, that's the question. You know, that's the question. <laughs> Can he stay hot till Brazil? That's going to be the, the, the real question mark. But hey, the, the team is, re- is, is playing really well. Mm. And right now, I mean, you have to be impressed with the depth that we see right now on this team all over the field. I mean, listen, there's some question marks. There's also some areas where you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on at right back. Uh, you know what's up at left back. You know it, there's still some things here and there, but the team. I mean, you got to be happy. Well,
0: this isn't this isn't the first team, anyways. Too. I mean, this is. You're, are you talking? I mean, even general? no, even
1: with the first team. Oh, okay, right? I'm sorry. They, I'm I mean, things. right back overall. I mean, Steve low with the surgery. You know, Fabian Johnson just had a, like an a- ankle injury, although I don't think that's serious. Um, You know, Michael Parkhurst has had his ups and downs in the Gold Cup. You know, you kind of wonder what's going to happen with right back going forward, uh, especially September in those qualifiers, but. uh no, but overall, though, I mean, we've seen we've seen s- impressive showings from the first team, from the B team now, and and he it's just giving them a plethora of, of 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 options now, and and it just he's just making everything work. And look, not not everything's working out, right? I mean, some guys haven't stepped up or haven't really taken full advantage of these opportunities. But overall, the depth of the U.S. team right now is as good as I can remember it.
0: I agree. Uh, a couple changes right now. We, we talked about this before. The, the way the Gold Cup was set up, so people understand, was going into the Gold Cup, Jurgen had to name a provisional roster, I believe, of 35 players that you could take from that pool, and then then you could name the Gold Cup roster. You couldn't make any changes uh, until after the group stage, and Jurgen has made some changes. He's bringing in Matt Beasler, Omer Gonzalez, Alan Gordon, and Eddie Johnson, who will replace Corey Ash, Hercules Gomez who's joining uh, Tijuana before their, I believe, Friday's their regular season game uh, on Yewu and Jack McInerney. What do you make out of these moves here?
1: Well, I mean, just to break it down in a less complicated uh, way, <laughs> in a less complicated fashion. What? That wasn't complicated? I mean, yeah, you made it a little complicated. Okay, oh, look. Stop. Every team that's our in the fan- finals hey, 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 can make f- up to four changes to their roster. Our
0: fans are educated. People listen to the show. It's are not educated, about educated.
1: It's just your, your explanation was convoluted. Oh, but, stop. Listen, we'll. Uh, I digress. Every team can make up to four changes to their roster, and the U.S. is the only team that made more than one. I think that was interesting. They actually made more changes to their roster than the other seven quarterfinalists combined. There were only actually three other changes among all other seven teams. But Jurgen Klinsmann clearly wanted to bring these guys in: Beeser and Gonzalez. You know, he that's his center back pairing. He wants to give him as many games as he can, and he feels he can win with them. Uh, and then obviously Eddie Johnson. You know, his versatility—he could play on the wing, he could play up top. Uh, you know you can see him coming right into the lineup and he's perfect for that left wing where you kind of, you know you've, you really haven't had anyone step up and, and really do well and you have to think, I mean Jose no not, not to take anything away with Jose Torres, I think he's had his moments. Uh, but Eddie Johnson, I think is a better fit uh, as an attacker on that left wing. He should be able to slide right in. Alan Gordon, he's just kind of that you know extra body. He's a veteran if you need somebody in the in the pressure situation of a knockout round game. And you and you put him in late. I mean, he showed obviously in the qualifier against Antigua and Barbuda on the road uh, to step up in that in that situation. So,
0: and he's a little he bigger, a little bigger than a little bigger than Wondolowski, big, big bigger target in the box.
1: Right. So, I mean, he just gives you a little something different. Um, I would say this. I know some people are going to look at the people who were sent packing and think, you know, Jack McInerney. What what was the point of bringing him in if you weren't going to play him? I can say right now, Union fans are, are saying that right now um although some unit fans i'm sure are saying yes he's coming back he's going to play against portland that's great um but listen folks he's 20 years old i can guarantee you he's a better player for having just gone through this two weeks three weeks of camp with the u.s team and gaining that experience of uh, of being in camp that's a great first step mm-hmm. for a player his age uh coming along the way he is uh, you know and we've seen it too many times through the years younger players getting way too much thrown on them early on and i think this is the perfect first step you keep you keep his head you know, you keep his feet on the ground, you show him what it what it means to be on that international level. You don't throw him into the wolf. you don't throw him in the deep end yet. You just let him get a taste, you let him get a sense of how things are. And I tell you from what I heard, just talking to players, other players on the roster, he, he's impressed. He's even though he hasn't played in games, he's impressed in training. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I I talked to Stuart Holden about him, Stuart Holden was raving about him, Michael Orosco was raving about him. You know, they, he's he's he showed what he can do. So listen, folks. It, this was this was by no means a waste for Jack McInerney to come into this camp. It definitely, at the end of the day, will help him, a, gain experience and, and become a more mature player. And also, b, I'm sure he turns some heads at camp. And it is not going to be his last call up.
0: Well, and I think we've seen it. I guess we've talked about this before. The fact that Jurgen did this with Stuart Holden, and, and look how it's paid off too. He did this with Joe Corona, and Joe Corona has shown moments too. So I, mean, I guess you have to go with the fact that. Jurgen's track record over the last couple guys shows that he brings these guys up, introduces them to camp, slowly integrates them, and that when they do get some playing time, that they actually perform and they're not just some hype guy that we're all going to jump on and say he's the next big thing, and then three weeks later we're saying, oh, he's done, get rid of him, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I'm going to go with Jurgen's track record on this and say that he made the right move, and hopefully this is going to pay off in a couple months.
1: Right. I mean it's just, you know, at the end of the day, you had other options. I mean, Wanda Lozius was was just tearing it up. You got a veteran like Hercules Gomez. It just wasn't a situation where he needed to play. And I think, you know, he now he goes back to the Union. He takes the experience of that camp with him and now he focuses on the, you know, on the on the rest of this MLS season. And you know what? If he keeps growing as a player, if he keeps scoring the goals, he keeps rounding out his game. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe we shouldn't write him off as someone who, come twenty fourteen, is in that conversation. I mean, it's it's an entire, entirely possible. But again, he is twenty years old, folks. He turns twenty one next month. You think about how young that is. He's going to be twenty five at the twenty eighteen World Cup in Russia. Twenty five—that's his prime, right? That's what people need to they like realize. I mean, people just, some fans are just so in a hurry. To throw these young players to the wolves, and it, it you know, we we should kind of try to take it a little slower. And I think Klinsmann has done a great job about with that. He's learned the lessons. He has seen it firsthand. He's seen what happened with younger players who were given too much too soon. And I, I think it's going to work out excellently for for McInerney the way things are going.
0: I'm not that old, but it's crazy to think that Jack McInerney's a '90s baby. Is that weird when uh, you think about that?
1: Let's not even talk about it, man. I, I mean, hey, listen, he's mature. Like you know, if you if you hang out with if you hang out with your Jack McInerney, you get to talk to him a little bit, you get to know him. like he, he isn't like your typical 20, 20 year old. I mean, he, he's very he's he's very uh, measured with what he says, he's very mature, uh, you know, he's not this kinda like snot nosed punk kid, you know, like you, Garrett. But you know he, I'm not. Are you <laughs> just, kidding me? Just, just, just kidding, just kidding. Um no, but you know, he he's very mature and, and it, it's gonna be great to see him. Just continue, continuing to develop, continuing to grow, and he and he's on a team now with the Union. They brought in Connor Casey, I think is who's who's been a great influence there. You know, he, he's been through, who ste- through all
0: who stepped up well. Connor Casey's looked well the last couple games for the Union. Too. He's
1: been he's been great, but it's not even just on the field, off the field too. He's someone who you know can 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 impart some wisdom, and he's been through all that stuff. I mean. It does, it's not, It's crazy to think, you know, it almost feels like it wasn't that long ago when when Connor Casey was scoring the two goals that helped clinch the World Cup spot for the U.S. team in 2009. Uh, but back to McInerney, I mean, his, his future is absolutely bright, and people need to relax about the fact that he did not get to play in this Gold Cup.
0: Well, for the Philadelphia Union, too, I mean, they went 1-1-1 and in his absence, tied Real Salt Lake, lost to the Houston Dynamo, and defeated Chivas USA, and now the Union fans are going to be clearly happy they get him back against the Portland Timbers uh, for their game on Saturday. Uh, These four guys are going to be joining the U.S. men's national team clearly as soon as possible for the game against El Salvador, which will be on July 21st, which is Sunday night. It's at M&T Bank Stadium in uh, Baltimore Stadium. One is beautiful to begin with. And uh, later this week, you and I will have a preview show for that game.
1: Yes, sir. One thing I I did want to add about the players that have been called in, um, from what I understand, uh, the U.S. was actually planning to bring in Graham Zusi. I don't know what happened. There was apparently a change of plans, and Omar Gonzalez was brought in. Jurgen um, just
0: Jurgen just wants to piss off Bruce Arena. That's all it is.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair to Sporting KC, right? I mean, they 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 were without Buesler and Zusi for the games in a uh, in June, right? For the a month of uh, with qualifying from late May to. To mid-June, so you could understand if, if Peter Vermees is like, Hey, you're going to really take two of our best guys, our two best guys again. Uh, um, so, you know, if you're, if you're Jurgen, you got to kind of look at that and say, oh, Yeah, that's not probably not the way to go, especially if you're already bringing Eddie Johnson, uh, who could play on the wing. Mm-hmm. Joe Corona has been excellent on the wing. So, you know, you kind of, you know, obviously Zussi would help. He'd be an upgrade, but you can kind of get by there. Now, now you bring Omar Gonzalez in. You can play Gonzalez and and Biesler together. And listen, it's it's kind of not fair. It's a, a little unfair for for Goodson and Orozco, who I thought were great in the group stage. But a, you want to win this tournament. B, you want to get your your top center back pairing as many games as possible. Uh, clearly, Klinsman wants to stick with those guys. So. I think those guys are going to be the, you know, I think they're going to be the starters the way through. Uh, and I'd say those two and Eddie Johnson should probably start in the knockout round.
0: There's no guarantee. I mean, he, this this could be motivation for Goodson who's going to say, you know, you know, hell no, I'm not going to lose my starting spot. You never know.
1: Right. I mean, he's right in that mix, right? I mean, it's easy for people to forget that, you know, Gonzalez and Beesler started that game in Mexico, the one that got the ball rolling, because Goodson was hurt. You know, Goodson got hurt, picked up a knock, Told Klinsman that, hey, you know, I probably shouldn't start. You know, he took one for the team, and then Gonzalez stepped in, and him and Buzler were outstanding in Azteco against Mexico. Uh, but he, you know, he's still in that mix, you know, I think he's, and, and Orozco's there. So I'll tell you what, come September, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens here in these next few games, but come September, mm-hmm. when it's time to bring four center backs along, um, you know, Orozco, I mean, he might be someone who's there. He might be someone who's in San Jose. I mean, he might not start, he's probably not going to start, but. I think he's played well enough to be in that conversation now, and obviously we can't forget about Jeff Cameron. But you know, it, it, think about that. I mean, there, there's a lot of it's a lot. All of a sudden, it's a pretty decent amount of center back options.
0: Yeah, just like that, amazing. A couple weeks ago, we were what saying how we had nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and some I people were, were kind of worried about yeah. it. Usually, today is regarded as the slowest day in sports, and MLS clearly took advantage of that by scheduling some midweek games. Uh, in the earlier games, there were two games today. Earlier game, Colorado Rapids defeated the New England Revolution. Two to one. Uh, I mean, the Rapids really dominated this game. Kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. I mean, they get uh, a goal from uh, Nick Labraca, and then their own goal from uh, Jose Consalves. And Colorado is just knocking on the door of the Western Conference right there. But New England also needed this victory. But Colorado very impressive in this game.
1: Oh, you have to take your hat off to to the Rapids. You know, for them to shake off uh, that that free kick goal uh, by Juan Toha, which you know you, you have to say. Uh, Clint Irwin and that, and that wall need to do a lot better job on that goal. But they shook it off. They, they kept pressing. They, they dom- As you said, they dominated play. They dominated the possession game. They had a ton more passes, uh, created more chances, and, and it was a deserved victory for them. You know, you, When you're at home, you got to win these games. Uh, I thought it was an interesting battle of teams. Both teams are in sixth place in their conferences, both teams eyeing the playoffs, and Colorado with the big win that's uh, a big step for them. you know they they're starting to kind of build some momentum now. They're getting guys back healthy. Martin Rivero's back uh, you know he's back healthy, so you, you have to like what you see from those guys as far as New England goes, you know, we've said it before you know they they're, they're a better team at home, but they just at at a certain point they really have to start playing better on the road
0: mm-hmm. and, and they need to play better as of late because I mean they had that streak earlier this year, uh, especially in May when you know all May to June were all you know we' were talking, oh my gosh, but now you, they're a little struggling, but Colorado. Right now, is on a four-game uh, unbeaten streak. Chivas USA defeated Toronto FC one zero. Carlos Bocanegra first game playing in the MLS. Chivas USA wins with Carlos Bocanegra in his first game with the with in the MLS. So clearly, that means if the trend continues, Chivas USA is going to win the rest of their games. Regardless, though, Eric Avila gets a red card in the twenty-fifth minute, and Toronto FC does not take advantage of it. I was very underimpressed with Toronto. They they looked horrible. Chivas USA, I mean. Look, I don't know what to say about Toronto in this game. Chivas USA went down, scored a goal in the 79th minute, and won the game. It was just a really not the not the prettiest game for both sides. I'll
1: tell you what, man. Toronto FC has had some some really bad moments, and through the years they've had they've had some moments that felt like rock bottom. Right? Mm-hmm. This game definitely feels like one of those rock bottom moments because listen, if you can't go to Chivas USA and beat them with the with a man advantage early on early in the game, I mean, that's, there's just no excuse for that whatsoever. I mean, look, it's clear, look, this is a rebuilding year. It was always going to be a rebuilding year. But I've, we've said it on this show I don't know how many times. It's not about the playoffs. It's about showing signs of progress. It's about taking steps forward. And, and, and I'm sorry, Toronto, there's just – we don't see it. I know their fans don't see it. I know their media don't see it. Nobody sees it. Where are the signs of progress? And all we keep hearing is about how – you know, help is on the way. New players are on the way. Kevin Payne is, you know, look, I thought Kevin Payne would do a great job there. And I thought with the draft they had, I thought they did, a, that was a great step for them that I just haven't seen much since. And this game, uh, just, I mean, you, there's no excuse. There's no excuse to not get at least a point. Really, you should get three points. If you have a man advantage for that long against a team that hadn't won in, I don't know, Months they had you know I think I don't know what the length length of their winless streak was uh, but they the hadn't game, won in months. The last
0: game Chivas Chivas USA won was against the Vancouver Whitecaps two to one on March thirtieth.
1: Yeah, I mean March guys, March they hadn't won since March. They're down a man, and you can't beat them, and you can't even get a point. And uh, to be fair, there was a penalty shout in stoppage time. It looked like Asorio was taken down by Deluna. That looked like a clear penalty. You can argue that. But again, they did not play well. They did not play like a team that was up a man. And I, I, you got to feel for Canadian soccer fans, especially the folks in Toronto. If you live in Toronto and you're a soccer fan and you're a TFC fan slash Canadian national team fan, I feel for you guys. I feel for you. I feel like I want to send a care package because you guys just or a teddy bear. Something for you guys to make you feel better because this has just been a brutal, brutal time. To be uh you know a Toronto FC slash Canadian National League team fan. And I don't know where they go. Now talk about Chivas USA though. I'd say, look, they're they're not look, they're not making the playoffs, they're not gonna turn it around. But again, just like Toronto FC, you want to see positive signs of progress. And when they signed Bocanegra, Carlos Bocanegra, and when they added Eric Kubo uh Torres, those were signs that hey, this this they're getting serious. They, you know, they're they're not uh, stripping the team down for parts, and and we're gonna have a, a team full of uh, rejects by the end of the season. Uh, they they they've shown a commitment now lately. They've bolstered the roster. They they've had better results now lately under their new coach. So, at least you're seeing progress there. And if you compare these two teams, they're two of the worst teams in the league, but one of the teams is showing progress. They're heading. Look like at least that they're heading in the right direction, and you have to give Chivas say some credit. They're look they're starting to turn things around a little bit. Ivis we've reached the end of the show. As
0: always, that means it's the SBI Q and A part. If people want to send us questions, Ivis and I always well, not me because I think I have like three followers, but Ivis with his uh, paid eighty thousand followers <laughs> will uh, will send out a tweet and uh, before the show, before you record the show, and people can always send questions back. So pay attention to uh, the Twitter feed that Ivis has. First question. Comes from, I'm probably going to butcher your name. I apologize. Comes from Keat Din. Do we get an updated SBI 23 for 2014 immediately post-Gold Cup? Expect any big shakeups.
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm pretty sure that on that Monday, the 29th, um, even though I'll be in transit from Chicago to Kansas City, I will put out the next, the July 2013 edition of SBI's 23 for 2014. As far as big shakeups, I honestly I haven't really, you know, thought about it at this point. Uh, who's going to be on that team right now? But I mean, I do think with the Gold Cup um, that we've had, I mean, someone like Michael Orozco has definitely thrown himself into the picture. Uh, he's helped to stock, you know, for me, Joe Corona, someone who I already had on the radar as a possibility for that World Cup team. Juan uh, Lasky obviously has helped himself uh, to get into the picture. I don't know if I have him on the 23 yet. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that's the case just about yet. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there'll be a few changes uh, on that team.
0: Uh, next question comes from Chris Randolph. Uh, are New York Red Bulls win fluke or does that place them in the title picture again?
1: Not a fluke. Listen, Red Bulls are a really good team at home. Montreal can't stop anybody. They, they couldn't, you know, they're like tissue paper in the rain. They, they're just, you just <laughs> it's just not, They're just their defense is a joke right now. So you get that combination. And if, if you're going to have what you had. You're going to have a Red Bulls blowout of Montreal. Uh, I, I would put the Red Bulls still as a second tier team. I don't know if they have if they have the elements to win a title. I think you know if they go add another designated player, you know, uh, who actually is in a you know an effective signing, possible, possibly. But I, I still don't know if I put them. In that group of of teams that can really necessarily win it, I think they're going to you know be a dangerous team in the playoffs if, if they keep the keep things going the way they have. Uh, if their defense can can keep it together, Tim Cahill can keep doing what he's doing, and Henri can stay healthy. Uh, but I, I I don't know I don't know about MLS Cup winning. I think they'll I think they'll do well in the playoffs though. I think they could get to the East final.
0: Uh, next question comes from Chris McGuffin. Based on the season so far, do you think we'll see a first time MLS Cup winner?
1: Uh, that's a, that's an interesting one and we could see it. I don't, I don't know if we will see it though. Cause I think for me, uh, you know, so a team like Houston, I think can turn it around and, and end up winning it in the East. And they're obviously a team that has won it before. Uh, and in the West, I still say, you know, when you talk about a team like the galaxy, uh, I still think they're a, a pretty strong pick. Uh, as of right now though, I mean, when you talk about teams like Portland, FC Dallas, um, you know the Red Bull uh, it's, it's tough to say so, you know what I, I would say right now no I don't see it because I think in the east it's most likely either Houston or Kansas City and Sporting KC in their, in their original version you know it, the Kansas City Wizards won the title in 2000 so they've won it already Houston's won it already out west the Galaxy's won it already uh, I would put my money on it being a team that has won it before this year
0: uh, next question comes from Pero Naldinho. what percentage of Caleb Porter's blood is Vulcan? Can he show emotion in the regular season or playoffs only?
1: Well, look, I'll tell you what. Uh, actually, Caleb's actually a pretty emotional guy. He's just really good about controlling those emotions. You know, he, uh, he still still waters run deep with that guy. I mean, he he is a fiery guy. Uh, you know, he it, it's interesting. You know, his sideline demeanor. He doesn't like to give a lot away. But I can tell you, I can listen folks, I can tell you that that he he's a fiery guy. And and you know, when the cameras aren't watching, when he's in that locker room with his team, they see it. You know, they see the emotion, they see the that happy guy, you know, the the, the the exultation, the the fiery let's go get him attitude is there. He just doesn't let he does you know, he puts the poker face on Uh, and I, and I'll, and I'll tell you what, that, that moment, that scene with Bruce Arena was priceless because look, Bruce Arena obviously was flipping out about the stoppage time and, you know, he was talking to, I think he was talking to someone behind Porter, but you saw Porter just kind of get the shoulders cocked and and just have that kind of swagger. Like what did you, what you said something to me? Like he, he, he's not backing out from anybody. And, uh, it it is funny to see him him really kind of just not show a lot of emotion on the sidelines.
0: Next question comes from Chris. His he doesn't have a last name, so his Twitter handle is at, at Union S-O-B Chris. McInerney better for his future to return to the Union or if he stayed on the bench with the U.S. Men's National Team?
1: I think I think he you know he put in the time that he needed to put in. As I said earlier, the experience he's already had is is going to be priceless for him. I, I, but I you know I think it's time to send him back, get him back playing with the, the Union, and uh, it it will definitely serve him better. To, to start in Philly's next two games uh, rather than just sitting on the bench and watching the knockout runs.
0: Uh, and the final question comes from Blandon, Brandon Bleak. Excuse me. Any chance the Seattle Sounders will turn it around in time to make a deep playoff run?
1: Oh, uh, I think that's possible. I, I definitely think it's possible. I mean, you look at the Houston Dynamo last year. Houston Dynamo, midway through the season, just were not – you know they weren't doing much at all, and they, they were able to turn it around. Los Angeles Galaxy—they were absolutely awful in first half of the season, and they turned it around. I—I uh, I don't think I know. I know some folks in, in Seattle are, press, are pressing the pattern button. They're seeing the you know the underachieving. They're seeing this stacked roster just not putting together results. I would say take it easy, folks. Let's let's ease off with the fire siggy talk and and all that. Uh, they, this team is too good not to turn it around. This and he and and Schmidt's too good a coach to not turn it around. The injuries are an issue. They have been an issue when you talk about injuries and international call-ups, and being able to find a rhythm as a team. Uh that really hurts. It re- it really hurts especially when you talk about a team that that, you know, had made changes to their roster. But I'd I'd say I put a good amount of money on the Sounders Getting into the playoffs and making a pretty good run in the playoffs. And, you know, I know it's it's it might be tough for some Sounders fans to see that right now, but I just you know, just look at history. Just look at Siggy Schmidt's track record, look at the talent on this roster. They're gonna be there. They're gonna be there when the playoffs start.
0: You're right. I, I may be speaking, speaking out of my you know what on this, but I think the Sounders have probably less than five games, Ivis, where they have had their full team probably most likely
1: well yeah i mean i don't know that will i don't know how many different lineups they've had i know i I think i i feel like they haven't had their same lineup twice all year and look obviously azalo alonso Ozzy alonso so important for them and he missed you know he missed that stretch of games that didn't help at all i think now that he's back uh you know as long as he stops punching people just kidding um (laughs) you know with him back yeah, I think he'll help start turning things around. Obviously, Eddie Johnson now getting called up doesn't help. But I'm sorry, guys. This is too good a team. I mean, even if Obafemi Martin's knees keep causing problems, even if he keeps getting hurt, there's still too much talent here. You know, I think the defense is solid. Spurning, you know, when Stephen Lenhart's not, you know, stepping on his arm, he's pretty damn good. So I, I think this team will be fine. This team will absolutely be fine.
0: Well, Ivis, that. Uh, that wraps up the show today, man. Uh, I think we covered all, all the bases this week, or, or at least on
1: today's show. I, I think so. And, uh, you know, it, I, don't know. We'll, I don't know if we're going to have anything left to talk about uh, when we try to – I guess we're going to do the show on Friday, right, Friday morning. Um, I don't know if we're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to do another show a day later. Uh, you know, we might have to do that because our next show, folks, is going to preview the El Salvador game which I tell you what that you know what people you know the US should beat El Salvador by all means they should but that's going to be an interesting crowd in Baltimore because for those who aren't aware El Salvador has a huge following in in the, the DC area right so they, they it, it's going to be I'm afraid and, and ha- I haven't seen it in a while but this it has the makings of being one of those rare games where the US is on home soil but the crowd in the stadium is, is more in favor of the other team. And
0: I think I saw that tickets are close to what, almost 40000 for that game, I think?
1: Oh, it's going it's to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. So um, it's going to be a great atmosphere. I, I I would bet it sells out. I would bet it sells out because, you know, you're talking about two quarterfinal matches. Uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. You know, I will be down there. The SBI team will be we'll, – we will have it covered. We'll, we'll be all over that. Um, but, again, as I said, uh, make sure you, you check out our next show, Episode 53 – uh, whenever we get together to do it uh, I don't know if it's going to be the, uh, Thursday night or Friday morning but we will get that show out uh, to give you uh, to break down for you the gold cup uh, quarterfinals
0: We're just slowly moving to a five days five day show a week five shows a week schedule I think that's what the plan is. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what as soon as we find start getting some sponsorships uh, that could be a plan that could be a plan I know a lot, I know I know we, we've, we've developed a pretty good following now the numbers are going through the roof. Uh, you know, we're doing really well right now. We just, uh, we just uh, have to, you know, that's always the toughest part. When any show, uh, any anything like that is is getting some sponsors to, to help put the bill and all that. But you know, we're gonna keep it going. We're gonna keep grinding these out, and, and uh, you know, as long as you guys keep enjoying them, we'll, we'll keep getting it done.
0: Yes. If anyone is the HBIC at their company and you love to sponsor the show, please let us know. Like I've said, we'll be back again. We'll have a show up Friday morning. We will have a show up Friday morning for everyone, and we'll preview. Uh, all that weekend's MLS action and the game on Sunday night and uh, and, and everything else in between if there's any uh, MLS news that breaks over the next 24 hours I. Guess.
1: That's right folks so keep on listening to the show keep on giving us uh, those iTunes reviews and, and and also make sure you comment on the website. you know we, we post every show onto the website so uh, keep an eye out for that and uh, I, I would also recommend on Friday actually on Thursday late afternoon if you get a chance uh, if you want to submit a question, that'd be a good time to throw a throw a question on Twitter. Uh, hashtag Ask the SBI Show. We're always looking for questions. Uh, you know, we, we always end up asking folks for questions at 1 a.m., and then we get the same cast of characters. We get Chris McGuffin asking us 25 questions, which, hey, thanks, Chris. We appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, remember, folks, you can always throw throw them at us during the day. As long as you do the hashtag, uh, we should be able to see it.
0: And if you hashtag it at the end, Garrett rules with a Z instead of an S, there's a there's a Slight chance your question might get asked, Ivis. Uh, thank you, man, for joining me tonight, and I'll, I'll talk to you again. Uh, I'll talk to you again in twenty four hours.
1: Yeah. That's right. We just keep on grinding. Yes, we uh. do keep on grinding. And as
0: always, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the comments, and thank you for the reviews. Uh. This is. The death death she is from a steps to a set, she is so death might not let me live you did fresh uh-huh yes she is had a feeling that it would be a day like this the orchestra in my mind don't play like this nah but i'm prepared for it got a little red for it brushed off my ears even cut my hair for it because normally i don't care for it don't even be looking for life like that then they go it. yeah right over there so i prepared the poet little scared my stare lowered. mama said have no fear plus
1: i'm already out